Hi, and welcome to a special mailbag episode uh, on the It's a Mimic channel. I'm Adam, and with me today is Pepperina. Hello, Peps. Hello. And it's just the two of us for a mailbag episode because nobody else is qualified enough to have this conversation. Uh, I I mean, they've clicked on the link. They know that we're talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I yeah. am low-key so excited to <laughs> talk about this because this show has not been relevant to my social circles in like 15 years. And yeah. it, it was a definitive game changer for me when it came out. Um, before we jump into it, because we've got 22 questions today, 20 mm -hmm. from Diggly Blue Munya, who just emailed me a fucking onslaught of them. <laughs> and then uh, Alexander and other Skip Davis hit us up with two, like months later. And it's just been impossible to schedule this one and get it ready to go. So anyway, I just wanted to, to talk really quickly before we jump into the questions. Did you grow up on it? Like, what? What's your exposure? What's your relationship with this show and 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 Angel? I guess the spinoff as well. I started it towards the end. Um, I remember going over to, um, my boyfriend, then husband, then ex's house. Um, <laughs> when I was a teenager, and I worked for his mom cleaning houses. Um, so my mom would drop me off. And I would have to wait till we started cleaning mm -hmm. and I would go in the basement and turn on the TV and Buffy was on. And that's how, but it was like last season. Um, and I always had to miss the last five minutes of every episode because we oh. had to leave. <laughs> that's rough. The last season is all like cliffhangers all the way through it, right? That's, that's yeah. hard. So um, then back then you didn't have streaming services and that. So I bought the box sets. I have all of the box sets actually right. Like I have a background on, so you can't see them, but literally next to me, I have all of the box sets of Angel and Buffy just sitting next to me. Um, So I finally got to see all the things that I missed and I went back to the beginning. So I actually saw the end before I saw the beginning of it. That's so funny, but I, I came into it much like, much like you did. I had, uh, when I was, cause this show came out in what, like 97. So I was like 14. I was a 14 year old dude. I'm not watching a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like I was just, mm. I, I was just too much of a teenage boy to do that. And I don't know if like people that were, that were teenagers in the nineties will, this will ring true. There was still just enough of that, like masculine posturing it's not like now where anybody can watch any show and tune in for 10 episodes of and like you binge through it like it was it was dedicated watching right yeah um however i was like i had a regular thing that i was doing on on friday nights and there was one friday night that i had off and uh i guess they were doing a massive like watch through of uh of buffy um, because it was leading up to the very last episode uh, of season five. And I don't know if you know this, but season five swapped networks, right? And there's a shift yeah. to from like brighter content to suddenly season six and seven get very dark. And so, uh, and as a matter of fact, okay, so spoilers for Buffy. <laughs> 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 um, it's just this whole episode of spoilers. For oh, Buffy. absolutely. <laughs> I am not holding back on this, but. 
But so I was sitting there and I was flipping channels and I wasn't paying attention to what I was watching or like the title of the show, but I ended up getting very, very engrossed in this like these teenagers are fighting some fucking God thing going on. And it was the end of season five. And then I realized it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer and they and they were um, doing everything up until like the second last episode. And so then I'm like, OK, well, that's this is actually pretty wild. This isn't bad. And they're like, yeah, and there's a big thing the the new episode comes on on uh like next tuesday or whatever so i ended up setting aside my evening on tuesday to be like well, i'm just gonna finish this off she's going on. and she fucking died and then there was it i do you i don't know if you know this the network was really shitty but they it, the show knew it got sold to upn but the network they were on um was really shitty about it and they ended up putting up a big like we, we thank Buffy for the five years and, you know, it's too bad that you're no longer going to be with us anymore. And there's this big, like, title card on it that essentially made you think that the show was canceled and there were never going to be any more episodes. And so, like, the ratings and the viewership dropped in season six because nobody knew it was happening because there was yeah. no announcement for it. it was, we didn't have the fucking internet like that back in 97, yeah. right? Like. There was no social media or anything. You had to go to a Buffy website and hope somebody knew the news, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, um, so th- that ended. And I didn't think anything else about it until like the end of the summer when I was watching something else, and there was like this this commercial came on for season six. And I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense to me. What's going on? And I've been kind of talking about this. Uh, I'd mentioned it to my friends. I'm like, the show's not as bad. You think it'd be a cheesy piece of shit for like little girls, and it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's like serialized and they they're killing main characters and like it's really good so <laughs> dvd box sets were relatively new at the time and i happened to be watching through uh future shop best buy's predecessor and uh and i was walking through with a friend and they had a deal on like buy two get one free so we loaded up and i watched the first five seasons of buffy in like two weeks yeah <laughs> i have done that so many times this is my most binged show i've I've oh, me too. Minimum eight times, <laughs> like start to finish, staying up till four in the morning. <laughs> I have, I don't know what it is. Like, there's some parts of it where you can just, like, it will. I, I don't, this was the first show where I tried to watch five episodes in three hours before work. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, you just, I, I, I can, I can go a little bit more. I know I've got to leave here in five minutes, but there's only yeah. 20 minutes left in the episode. I can be <laughs> late for work. Right? So, like, it'll I, be fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then when I discovered that Angel spun off, Angel was not my favorite character in Buffy, mm-hmm. but the show, for me anyway, became like, it's probably one of my favorite shows just because yeah. of dark it gets um and then like i don't know for someone who hasn't seen it the shift from season five to season six of buffy and from season one to season two of angel it all happened at kind of like the same time holy shit does it like suddenly this is of all of the shows that i've ever seen this is the one that grows up with you Mm -hmm. right like if, if you were buffy's age when season one came out or maybe a couple of years younger but when season one came out, the maturity level ages with you through the seven seasons to the point yeah. where you get out of high school and you go into college, you become an adult and like, and life's problems become worse. Season one is like all about, you know, does this strange boy at school like me at this new school? And season seven is like, I have bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Feel> so, <that. laughs> um. 
let's uh let's jump into this really quickly because we've got 22 questions to go through and i know you and i are gonna ramble (laughs) i know we're gonna go off about this yeah i mean we have we've had like late night conversations where neither of us could sleep and we just started talking about buffy I yeah, and, and I, I'm unapologetically a fan of this. I've got all of the. I mean, I think they're sitting in a box in my storage right now because mm-hmm. who has room for DVD box sets on shelves? Mm-hmm. I have many, many shelves full of many, many books, and yeah. I and I just don't have the room for more shelves. I, I created an office for Mieka here mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, and it's uh, I've had to move all of my shit. I had a little nerd room. Where yeah. I would do all my D and D prep and stuff, and then I had uh, a spare bedroom with like a couch in it and whatnot. And now she's got an office, and so all of my nerd stuff has been crammed into a very small room to yeah. the point where getting three people around the recording <laughs> area is is a bit tough. So we're uh, I I should dig them out again. It's been a fucking while, and I know Mieka hasn't seen them, mm-hmm. but let's be honest. Going back to season one of Buffy, it's a hard fucking sell for people these days. It is painfully nineties yeah. and painfully. <laughs> kids like it is it is a very immature show yeah um but fuck it's does so it good. it's so good it's so good <laughs> um i actually let's... just on the other side of i have like i have a very long desk set up i have my recording area and then i have a paint area and over on my paint area i have an action figure of spike and anya <laughs> that just hang out with me well i paint nice. <laughs> i uh i have been to a couple of we don't have comic cons in vancouver but we have what's called fan expos which are essentially the same thing only it includes like a lot of there's a big film industry up here so there's a lot of like tv shows that are that are filmed and so arrow for a while was the show that was filmed up here so you were guaranteed to have four or five arrow cast members and then a bunch of other people james marsters has been on so much shit and that has been filmed in Vancouver. So I've met him like three times, but I've never gotten a picture with him. He's never been available to do like photos or anything, but but he's always there to like sign his stuff. And I'm not interested in having like a signed photograph, but like I've I am next him. time get a signature <laughs> and send it to me. All right, I will do. He's gonna be like, I'm gonna ask him for for a signature for pepperoni. He's gonna be like, fucking what? So. <laughs> Make it memorable. <laughs> Um, so let's grab dice so that we can take turns asking the questions because with only two of us, we're just going to babble. So, yeah. um, and then whoever asks the question, the other person will answer it. Right. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. Let's roll. Okay. Natural roll. 20. This I is... got a 19. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good episode already. <laughs> All right. Peps. Number one. This is from Diggly Blue Munya, who, um, has been kind of quiet on the subreddit, but then again, so is everybody else recently. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I know she she's gonna love this episode specifically. Uh, there's a large paragraph in the inbox about it, which is just <laughs> rambly as all hell. Which is I fun. feel like I, I'm pretty sure I requested this. <laughs> and... I I think you and I had it. Yeah, we we requested. I don't remember that... if it was on a like during a recording or in discord or something but i'm pretty sure i re- i re- specifically requested this episode <laughs> there was we did the game of thrones episode right somebody uh-huh. sent in 20 episodes of games game of thrones incidentally before we get into this if you are listening to this and there's a television show that you were like hey guys talk about this for two fucking hours 
I am sure that across the gamut of whatever 14 fucking hosts or whatever we have, we can string two people together that have seen the show yeah. and talk about it. <laughs> so, like, and and wildly like different science fiction and, <laughs> and drama and fantasy stuff. Like, I, I'll go, I'll go Breaking Bad through to the Gravity Falls. Like, let's fucking do this. Anyway, let's. Uh, <laughs> number one, who's your favorite character? Um, Spike. I'm a hardcore Spike fan like through and through why i think first of all just hot vampire guy i mean nobody else can see that you like close no. your eyes and had a moment about that <laughs> i had a moment every time had a moment um hot vampire guy and i i believe that everybody on this that listens knows <laughs> where i stand with hot vampire guys um as the wife of strad <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I also think he had like a really big growth arc through the whole thing. If you see Spike at the very beginning, hardcore BBEG, um, to the end where, I mean, even going through to Angel, um, where he is a ghost and has to figure that out and just like his growth from BBEG to getting the chip in his head to having to learn how to interact with his enemies for um to save his life really because he has no other choice um because these other guys are you know it's that like and then he went that... and then he went <laughs> put a soul in himself yeah like, yeah yeah to he redeem fell himself. in love as he much as he, as much as he could so then he put a soul in himself and then he realized that he was a bad person. And yeah. I mean, this is where we like we start off with like he's a sexy vampire and he was just like evil for season two. And then yeah. he there was a straight up like episode where he was the perpetrator in like a, a rape episode. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that he was not immediately vilified to get like you know, stake through the heart over, over that shit. The fact that yeah. there was this assault that happened and then it was so complex in the story time or in the storyline at mm -hmm. the time and then there was redemption for his character afterwards the sacrifices were made and then he's a ghost we have never seen any character just just undermined and impotent as many times as spike was just reduced to doing nothing but sitting on the fucking couch and yeah. pouting about it and for some reason I love it when Spike is sitting on the fucking couch pouting. That is my yeah, favorite version. It's ju just his whole, like, just every, like, one-liner and just him observing everything going on and just being like, I don't fucking care. But, like, still being there. <laughs> How did you uh, feel when you found out he doesn't actually have a British accent in real life? Oh, yeah. I feel like every everybody who had a crush on him, that was a hard hit. <laughs> Yeah. Like nope, nope. He has platinum, <laughs> platinum hair and and a British accent. That's that's who he is, right? <laughs> I saw an interview with him years later. It was the first time I ever saw him without the British accent, and I thought he was doing a bad American accent. Yeah, and, and, and I was like kind of poke holes in talking. It. Yeah. <laughs> the harder hit was when I looked further into him and found out he was born the same year as my mom, and Ooh. that was that was the harder hit for me. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he just is a vampire though because he does not age at all. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Like if you dyed his hair platinum again, he would look exactly like Spike when he first entered the game. And he's the only one. Like all of the other vampire actors over the years have like mm -hmm. they have aged, but for some reason he just has it's probably the fucking cheekbones on that man. Yeah. 
But oh, yeah. my favorite character is, uh, and and this surprises most people. I fucking love Wesley. Yeah. So fucking much. <laughs> and I hated him in Buffy. And the first like half season, then he showed up in Angel. I was mm-hmm. not a fan. There is no more tragic character written ever than Wesley Wyndham Price because holy shit, does he just never, ever, ever get to win. And even when he's doing the right thing for the greater good, he is a fucking bad guy and everybody else trying to kill him. The man literally gets his throat slit for being right. I fucking love Wesley. And like, uh, I don't know, there's just something something tragic about him. And he, Mm -hmm. watching the descent from the bumbling happy, and again, another actor that is not British in real life. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> but he went from the from the comic relief bumbling idiot to like the darkest, most hardcore. He's the only one in the entire show that pulls out a shotgun and kneecaps somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. I fucking love that. He just he just went to the dark place and thrived there. Yeah. Um, he did so. like he went from like bumbling idiot to like hardcore, like like he saw some things and it changed him. And, and it and, was and, a hard change. And he fucking died brutally for nothing at yeah. the end, too. Like, it was rough. I fucking love Wesley. I love his his tragic, tragic arc. Um, who is the best bad guy in... Oh, no. Sorry. You... <laughs> I'm just... I'm super fucking excited. you just reading it. it. <laughs> I'm just reading it. I'm just reading it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, who's the best bad guy? <laughs> in <Buffy>? uh, <laughs> um... The best bad guy, specifically in Buffy, because I have thoughts about Angel, but the but uh-huh. the... Best bad guy specifically in Buffy is the Spike Cordelia duo with Angelus mm-hmm. or Angelus rather. Those those yeah. three are the fucking the 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 best. The I love Dark Willow. That was a great storyline. Um, I strangely really liked the mayor for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no. the mayor with his like very evil plans, but also just Midwest dad. <laughs> Yeah, personality. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the first was uh, was the scariest since the master. Like that, they were the scariest bad guys. Mm-hmm. But I could watch the three vampires in season two dicking about for ten more seasons. Yeah, yeah. they were they were loads of fun because Drusilla was a lot of fun. Yeah. like her whole character was just she. It had to have been so much fun to play her. I also think that she was like. This was before emo kids when this came out, right? Like this emo wasn't a thing yet. Goth was around, but we hadn't done emo or vamp kids or scene kids or anything like that. All of those dark alternative kids, all of the girls of the late 90s, I think she was the fucking icon. Like Mm -hmm. I can put on my black fucking boots and my red dress and just be weird and creepy and dark and evil and write poetry and hate the world. And like she was one of the OG like, I think she paved the way for the emo kids coming next. Anybody growing up on Drusilla hit yeah. high school and was a was an emo kid. Yeah. I much preferred her over Darla, I have to say. Like, yes. I wasn't the biggest Darla fan. <laughs> Although I loved what Darla brought when the two of them teamed up in Angel in mm-hmm. like season two of Angel. That yeah. was a lot of fun, the two of them running around. And the weird, like, like grand mummy shit that mm-hmm. was going on yeah. too. <laughs> The whole sire line and who is weird but excellent yeah yeah i have to give a shout out to the gentleman and hush like they were creepy as fuck as bad guys i yes 100 the gentleman actually is 
that is probably, in my opinion, the scariest of all of the Buffy episodes, like mm-hmm. legitimate scares. Yeah. Um, I I introduced Buffy to well, my friend and I. We were walking through, we saw the box sets, and I'm like, trust me, let's watch this. So we sat down and we binged through them in two weeks together. And then the two of us slowly introduced it to everybody else. Um, we are I don't know if we introduced it to Dan, because he might have discovered Buffy on his own. Um, but uh definitely introduced it to Dave and Sean, um, who's on the podcast now, and uh and a number of other people and and it was never really scary except for for anybody except two episodes where they would talk about or sorry three episodes the gentleman was particularly scary um the beginning of season seven when willow comes back and nobody can see her she's invisible and there's that that monster that paralyzes her and starts yeah, eating like, the strips yeah. of skin off of her stomach yeah. <laughs> that always makes people's skin crawl especially yeah. especially i think for like a lot of the Buffy stuff is metaphorical as well, right? And the mm-hmm. idea of like being paralyzed and having someone like play with your body is such a creepy and upsetting thing for a lot of women as well, right? That's mm-hmm. um and then and just uh, when he peels off that piece of skin and eats it, like I still have like very vivid like, I, I, it's <laughs> one of the very about it. <laughs> I have it is so vivid in my memory, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last one was um Caleb the Preacher by uh, Nate Fillion in season seven. Yeah. He was legit scary. Right. Yeah. So he played that role really well. Um, Have you went back and watched Hush post COVID? Not post COVID. Watch it post COVID. It hits so much differently. Really? Because, like, we went through that the like sudden quarantine, not knowing why, not being able to see people, not being able to talk to people, like, the isolation of it the isolation of it and just the like scariness of not knowing what's going on or how long this is going to last like i want like during covid because he had nothing to do i binged buffy again and sure. like it hit differently hmm. it was like yeah, a whole I, other new episode watching it post covid i'll yeah i'll check it out i'll watch yeah. it again uh, like of all of the episodes too <laughs> that one is such a good easy one to watch yeah um and it's like the the comedy in that hit well, but then the creepiness of it hit better, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the other one that do you, do you know the only Buffy episode that's been pulled from air that you're not allowed that like that will never be aired again on television? No. So one where Jonathan takes a sniper rifle up into the fucking bell tower. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, which was yeah. again a couple of years ahead of its time on shit as well, right? Like that was. That was, I don't know if it was pre-Columbine, but it was definitely before the just epidemic of mass shooters in schools, yeah. right? That hit, you know, about yeah. a decade later. So, um, yeah, that got pulled. And um, I know that got pulled with the same, uh, there were all of these episodes and all of these shows that got pulled from network television um, immediately as a result to 9-11. And for some reason, that was one of the 9-11 pulls which was yeah. really odd, but they were thinking we were getting rid of anything that was like terrorism related. So, mm-hmm. but uh, shout out to the nerds for fucking as bad guys, because yeah. they, <laughs> they were so funny and so stupid and so awkward and uh-huh. legitimately scary a couple of times. Yeah. And again, the only time that like the only time on television where I was legitimately revolted by the presence of a gun, it was so out of place 
in this world and this storytelling. I could watch yeah. a million shows with shootouts and FBI agents pulling guns left, right. But the moment they put it in Warren's hand, mm-hmm. uh, it was so different. That just hit strange and it wasn't good. Yeah, because everything else was fantasy weapons. It was axes and swords and yeah. stakes Although, and, you know, it didn't feel as real life as a gun, I think. Yeah, uh, even with all of the um, initiative shit that yeah. was going on and the, there's soldiers running around with guns, but it felt yeah. it felt fantasy, right? And for some reason, right. Warren didn't. Um, although my, one of my favorite weapons in the whole thing was when it was, um, oh God, can I pull this out of my fucking brain? Uh, w- there was a demon who could not be killed by any weapon forged by man. And yeah. so they're like, yeah, that was then, but I mean, that was 3000 years ago. So they went and got yeah, a bazooka yeah. and they just blew him the fuck up. <laughs> was that, <laughs> oh, was it the, I want to say the judge, but that could be wrong. Um, no, the judge was no. in angel i was think he? he was blue and they summoned him it was a big deal they combined all of his pieces together in angel yeah um i want to say it was kakistos but i think that was faith's nemesis when she first showed up she was being hunted by an ancient vampire i can't remember now there have been so many monster of the week yeah <laughs> so, um and it's i want you to know i've not watched the show in a decade and i yeah. me pulling this out of the back of my mind <laughs> this is how this is how seminal it was for me. Like I, up until this point, I was not really aware of overarching storylines because growing up in the nineties and like the late eighties as a kid, we grew up in like Ninja Turtles and Transformers and GI Joes. There's no cohesive storyline through any of this. And then, you know, I start watching TV with my parents, but it's all like home improvement and full house and like the safe things you watch with your kids and again no overarching story but my dad's favorite show of all time was mash and that does have a bit of overarching theme but not necessarily story so i ran then i started to watch all at the same time x files star trek deep space nine and buffy and all three of them had very monster of the week but also these huge season spanning arcs but also like it went from simple and kind of fun to very menacing and dark and main characters dying in Mm -hmm. every one of those series and it all kind of hit at the same time and between those three shows i think that is when television shifted where we suddenly started to get these these overarching storylines that were meant for younger audiences right that Mm -hmm. were meant for kids that were 14 um through to like 25 those demographics were finally given mature shit to watch that wasn't just Beverly Hills 90210, yeah. right? So um, the, I am flashing back to my fucking teenagers <laughs> now in, a, in, in a big way. Oh, um, man. That was a big callback for me. The <laughs> 90210, yeah. <laughs> I remember I, there was this, I had a circle of friends when I was a teenager. Most of my friends were girls until I was about, I can say from between like 13 to 17, most of my friends were girls. Uh, it was a good time to be alive for Adam, I will tell you. Um, those, those, Most of I, my friends were boys. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And it was uh, it was really interesting because I tried, I tried so hard to like watch the shit they were watching. I've seen every episode of Dawson's Creek. I have fucking opinions <laughs> about Dawson's Creek. But I just could not get into 90210 or Melrose Place or Party uh-huh. of Five. And fuck, they would argue and they would talk and I would just sit there and smile and nod and think this is the tax that you pay for hanging out with girls when you yeah. are a teenager so yeah 
Um, <laughs> We're only on question three. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Moving along. Each of the big bad evil guys in Buffy are monsters, but what D and D monsters would you use for the mayor or Adam or Glory or Dark Willow or the first? So translate these into D and D monsters, I guess. Uh, let's do the mayor. The big U on T yeah. monster, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's just a dude for most of it, right? And then they do his ascension, and he yeah, ascension. becomes a massive yeah. snake monster. So he wasn't like it's not it's not a monster that is that thing, but turns into that thing. Yeah, like it's like, not uh, something like a dragon that could transform back and forth. No, it yeah, he yeah. just became that. He, he stepped up, that. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it felt like the UNT um, anathema, I guess. I would say dragon, but dragons are too powerful for the mayor. Yeah, right? he you, just got taken out by a building <laughs> at uh, the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, Adam? Adam. Adam was a construct of some kind. I mean, he would be like a golem of, like, he was... Uh, yeah, a flesh golem. Yeah. 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 He, he's literally the Frankenstein parable, right? Like, that's the... Mm-hmm. Uh, glory? I mean, glory is a god of some kind. I don't know yeah. all the gods, but definitely god level. Yeah, I, I agree. got stuck in a universe. Yeah. Uh, Dark Willow, I just a, just a warlock. Yeah, I was gonna say warlock too. Right, not not quite a hag. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to that level, but yeah, but clearly a evil wizard or a warlock. Right, just too much knowledge used in the wrong way. So yeah. What about the first? Is there like what in D and D is that old? It's like primordial evil that that has spawned all other evil. Like yeah. it's not even a character at that point. It's like fighting the abyss, yeah. which just bubbles demons out for no fucking reason all the time, right? Like right. Like the first is, I think, beyond a monster. If I was going to run an um, Asmodeus cult. Mm-hmm. I could base it off of the first storyline where you have a bunch yeah. of like cult members running around first and then they they're trying to make super monsters and super devils or whatever the way he was trying to make the super vampires and then send in a couple of like priest characters as well to like really fuck up your party. Yeah. Remember the time that they just like out of nowhere gouged out a character's eyeball with a thumb? Yeah. <laughs> I was literally just thinking about that. <laughs> Fuck. The show is so much better than it at any That's right just the thought of that too is just like a nightmare. Just you and they and it's not and they didn't yeah. do it to one of the warriors. They didn't do it to one of the fighters. There was, they had a room full of capable women that were trained in how to fight, and they grabbed Xander, the comic relief, and just gouged his fucking eyeball out. Yeah. Fuck, so good. Yeah. Um, what was your least favorite season? No, shit, I'm doing it again. You asked. Yep. (laughs) What was your least favorite season? (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, Adam, you're too excited. Uh, Season one. Yeah. Season one had more episodes than I'm willing to skip. Hmm. I agree with season four, college season. Um, They had some of the, they had some very good episodes, but I could just skip to those episodes. Yeah, Um, I want to watch Hush and whatever Tara is in and you yeah. know there are bits and pieces that i grab what whenever spike is the main character for for an episode but i'm yeah. there for the b lines i gotta say i never connected with riley i liked it well no. enough but like yeah. i didn't really give a shit yeah so Same. he was not i often forget about riley yeah <laughs> just as a character i'm like oh yeah there was that guy <laughs> um what's your least favorite uh season of angel um 
<laughs> I think three and four. Okay. I don't remember them very well. I did not watch them very much. Um, yeah, See- I think I've seen I've seen season one and season five the most of Angel, and I sort of I've seen all of them, but I sort of skip to season five once. <laughs> okay, season, like season two, two. <laughs> and three are the um are the season two is the Darlin Drusilla storyline that then mm-hmm. turns into the Angels got a baby in season yeah. two. And then Wesley kidnaps the baby and takes the baby to hell. Yeah. And then um, when we come back, it's season three is Connor. Yeah. Like as an adult trying to figure his place out in the world. Yeah. And it's weird and wonky and lopsided and everyone's turning on Wesley and like, it's the dark season. Yeah. It really is. But then I think season... the Connor and Cordelia thing also like. That was season mm-hmm. four. That's the one yeah. that makes me go. Yeah. I see what yeah. you're doing, but I don't like it. Mm, I don't like it. <laughs> Also, she was trying so hard to get out of her contract. Yeah. And and uh, and they didn't want to let her go. And she was legitimately pregnant at the time, and they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. So they were like, hey, you weren't supposed to get pregnant. You fucked up our storyline. So we're going to make you sit in bed, and then you're going to be a bad guy. And, like, yeah. one of the main good guys for the last, like, eight, nine years of television yeah, just suddenly became a bad guy at the very end and then fell into a coma and never be thought of again. Right. So yeah. yeah, they did Cordelia dirty. <laughs> yeah. Um there was a lot of problems apparently. It's come out in recent years that Joss is not the feminist that everybody thought that he was because he was cheating on his wife and he's he, like there's there's a yeah. lot of that. I have trouble faulting a person's entire career based on their personal romantic life. Yeah. However, apparently he was also prone to like screaming and throwing fits and making people feel so terrible that um, there was a a rule on the Buffy set that um, the actor that played Don was not allowed to be, it was like this unspoken rule, not allowed to be alone with him. Not because you can do anything creepy, but because he was such a force of anger and rage when shit didn't go well and they didn't Uh want to expose a kid to that right so yeah so and i know that he clashed with um charisma carpenter who played cordelia a lot and in season four that's like it was his decision to really fuck her over and do her dirty at the end just as yeah as a comeuppance to the actor right which feels shitty right yeah so uh what was your favorite season of buffy seven seven yep season seven i gotta say season six for me the, yeah. the not only do you get the memory loss episode and the musical which were both phenomenal those are, yes those are you both get the biggest fantastic the second biggest third biggest i don't know where i rank it there were three major gut punches in yeah. buffy the three hardest episodes to watch are when angel gets sent to hell mm-hmm. and uh joyce dying and tara dying oh yeah the joyce dying episode with like the no music uh it's it's on there were just certain choices they made, like Hush having no sound and the Joyce dying episode where there's no background music. Yeah. Just made it like those and you don't realize how important those things are. Like just just background music. Like you don't realize until you like it's just not there. And you're like, this is just eerie as fuck. Anya's fucking monologue about not understanding death and how you can move forward and how we're supposed to react and what are the right ways and things to say and like it was so fucking heartbreaking i will openly admit that that is probably the first time that i openly cried during a television show 
Yeah. Not the last by a fucking sight. We've had some gut punch fucking series and things since, but like yeah. that one, that one hurt in a special way. Yeah. And it being something that wasn't a monster. That's what made it so damn scary. Uh, if yeah. I can be honest, I went through a bunch of, I mean, during the lockdown, I lost my job and my dad died on like the same weekend. And mm-hmm. so, and then I had an entire lockdown and, uh, and, and Mieka had decided before either of those things two days before, Mieka decided to cancel her trip up to see me. Right. So, like, I, it was very lonely. It was yeah. very isolating. And if I didn't have Dan and the podcast, I wouldn't have anything to focus on um, except like Netflix and binging TV and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Joyce and Tara dying are the reasons why I did not do the Buffy rewatch. I don't yeah. think I could have fucking handled that. So, yeah, during that time. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing all the potential slayers and just their interactions. Like that's why I love season seven, just bringing in all of all of those different characters um, and seeing them interact together. I liked season six because it gave us the, in my opinion, everybody was firing on all cylinders for that one. Mm-hmm. Dawn finally had something to fucking do, mm-hmm. um, which she didn't really in season five, and Giles was still around he fucked off for season seven right and so mm-hmm. there was a lot going on but the whole like reveal that she wasn't in hell she was in heaven yeah. and like that's <laughs> such a good twist yeah. right that i nobody saw coming so yeah, uh favorite season of angel five clearly that's the right answer i love yeah. season season two and season three because of uh-huh. the the dark uh, like wesley storyline the descent mm-hmm. but losing fred to illyria in mm-hmm. in season five and Spike running around as a fucking ghost. Yeah. I love Spike and Angel together. Like, yeah. I just love their dynamic of, like... <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, <laughs> I have to ask you... each other about their family. <laughs> I, I, I have to ask you, and probably the most important question that is not on this list. Mm-hmm. Who would win in a fight, spacemen or cavemen? Astronauts or cavemen? I mean, I think it depends on where the fight's at. Are they in space or... Like, yeah, you're giving, like, home field time. advantage. But, no, like, if yeah. you were, if you were to just put... No technology. If you just, were to just put oh, no four technology, of technology, then cavemen, because spacemen would be all like their tech is their strength. I don't think so, though. Like astronauts, A, they're going to have better tactics and strategy because they work together and they're highly intelligent. And remember, mm-hmm. these are peak physical human beings. Yeah. But they there's should... something to be said about just the primalness of cavemen. Like they <laughs> don't have the morals that spacemen would have. But astronauts are are specifically <laughs> trained. To, like I I I don't know. I got gotta go with the the, the brains beating the brawn on this one. Yeah. I think if you were to get a big ass gymnasium and you put four of each, and they know that they're allied, the astronauts, if they have even an ounce of time, they are absolutely going to win this because they get the plan, they get the plot, they get to figure it out. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's my favorite um, Spike and Angel moment too. Is the two of them losing yeah. their shit in Angel's <laughs> office over the, and it's revealed that it's about astronauts versus cavemen. <laughs> but I would say cavemen plan too. Like it's a very different kind of planning, but they like have to hunt together and figure that shit out. And like they have their own tactics. But they've never different. had to outthink other thinking creatures. They're just yeah. outthinking like <laughs> buffalo and and uh-huh. deer. And anyway, I I could fucking go. This is this is the question. This is the question. So, All right. Reddit, tell us your opinion. 
<laughs> like you you fucking know that the Patreon Discord is gonna pop off about this. What question are we on? Is it me? Yes, it's you. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I don't you ask questions. Some, well, you've asked <laughs> other questions <laughs> that weren't in there. <laughs> um, 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 what's your favorite episode? Oh of Buffy. I don't know. Like in quality, the Joyce episode is mm-hmm. number one. The the first episode I ever saw live was um was the one where she actually fucking dies. Yeah. I think that the musical episode is pretty freaking perfect. I'm not a big, big musical guy, mm-hmm. but there is so much that is revealed in that episode that just peels back every single character's motivations and really like yeah. lays bare everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That one is so good. My favorite episode, Hush is so fucking good. Hush yeah. is so fucking good. It's it's the only one so far that we've mentioned by name, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of the time that Faith and Buffy swapped bodies for for no reason. That was mm-hmm. a lot of fun for a couple of episodes. Um, I don't know. For for Buffy specifically, probably I'm gonna say the musical just for the yeah. the reveals all the way through it. Yeah, so that's um, what feeling. I have more. that soundtrack on my phone. I listen to it often. Like, I know those songs so well. I have it on CD. Again, <laughs> I do, too. Through, I have yeah. it on CD. I fucking, this is how long I've had it. I loaded it into my computer on, like, iTunes way the fuck back in the day. I had yeah. it on, on, <laughs> on an iPod. <laughs> I remember that's the- how long I've been listening to these. I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step back. Mm-hmm. The the my, the first time that I ever actually listened to it independently of um of like on a CD or watching the the show. The very first time that I saw it is I went home after seeing the show uh, at my friend's house. We would get together weekly and watch it. Um, and I would go home and I went right to LimeWire and downloaded that shit. And yeah. I had to download it twice because the first one was just gay porn. Because that's what LimeWire was. Yeah. You would click it, hoping that the title was correct. <laughs> it downloaded way too quickly. I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. this isn't good. Ah, that's gay porn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like once more with feeling and Tubula Rasa right next to each other. Yeah, that's are such amazing. A, I such can't watch one without the other. Like yeah. I have to watch them together. Yeah. Um, those two are phenomenal together. Yeah, there was the episode in season seven. I can't remember what it, what it's titled, although I used to know it was uh, the one where all of the the dead people come back to talk to them, and mm-hmm. Don thinks that Joyce is coming back and is like banging on the door. Mm-hmm. That one stuck with me as being like a particularly atmospheric and creepy episode. That was it took a second to deconstruct kind of what Buffy was about, which was good as well. Yeah. That one was really solid. Um, do you have a least favorite episode? Is there one that you're just like, I don't give a shit, I'm going to skip it every time? No. I mean, I when I watch it, like, I watch every episode. I know there's some where I'm like, Meh, but, like, I will still watch it. <laughs> like, there's none that I will will skip. There's some that I will watch independently that I've seen more than, yeah. like, I will just turn on Once More With Feeling and Tula yeah. Rasa. Um, I will just turn on Hush. Um, but yeah, if I'm sitting down to watch it all, I watch it all. My, uh, I think the one that, that I will skip pretty much every single time is Ted. Yeah. (laughs) 
like R.I.P. John Ritter. But fuck, I like I just I don't. That is by far the most like twelve year old episode. Yeah. That, that and I think beer bad. Those are the ones where that's when the phone comes out. I'll let her run, uh-huh. but the phone comes out for this. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely ones that I like pay less attention yeah. to when I'm watching. <laughs> this one is a do dishes episode. Yeah. <laughs> um do you have I f- do love the light. I think it's in Beer Bad, the fire fire bad tree pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I know somebody that has like a bracelet that has, says that. I have been drunk and said that to people more than once. Yeah, like my sister-in-law and I will say that to each other when we're having like a rough day and we're just like, can't, you know, we'll be like fire bad tree pretty. And we just know, (laughs) like, okay. (laughs) That is, that is legitimately my go-to of when right before, you know, when you're, when you're just shit faced, but you're, you can still stay on your feet. You're not quite, oh, look, the ground is the right answer. Like uh-huh. it's time to sit no matter where I am right <laughs> before that stage is fire, bad tree, pretty. Yeah. And that is how I communicate <laughs> that I should probably stop doing shots. Uh-huh. So, um, unfortunately, nobody in my current life gets that reference. <laughs> and I'm just fucked. Te- text me and I'll just be like, sit down, Adam. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite episode of, uh, of Angel? Is there any one that sticks out to you? I don't think there's a specific episode in Angel that sticks out. Which, again, I have seen Angel far less than I've seen yeah. Buffy. Um, but I can't, like, pinpoint. It was so serialized for so long. I really long. liked the one where they saw the Slayer that lost her mind. Yeah. yeah That's, that's a good one. one. That's yeah. a really good one. Um, I gotta say... My favorite episode is probably the finale. It was mm-hmm. so fucking good to have the whole season come together, all season five come together. Yeah. And, and then you just watch the good guys know they're going to lose and do their fucking damnedest anyway. And yeah. I loved that. Yeah. Um, the the last is like every D and D campaign when you reach the edge, you're like, I I don't know that we're gonna win, but we're gonna fucking do the thing. <laughs> like I think every party has been there. Like my my last my last campaign that was the the fall from grace campaign where all of my players were corrupted and became evil in the last like three sessions. I I started off with um a number of of. We went through a bunch of characters. There, Megan's character, Casey's character, and Dan's character were there the whole time. But that fourth slot went through a number of different characters and a couple different players. And like there were some deaths, like they retired some characters, and like mm-hmm. it, it was rough to get to that point. It, and Charlie came in and he joined at like level nineteen with a with a character. He said, "I'm gonna, I'll finish the campaign of this character." And I said, "That's great, but you're not gonna play in the last session." I will give you your character's resolution in the second last session so that these three characters get their fucking spotlight. And by the time that happened, Dan's character had already been turned into a vampire and and was literally banned from being able to enter the last stage. So it was just Megan and Casey who, at this point, their characters were in direct opposition to each other. But they had to go stop the end of existence. So they had that moment at the end of Angel. And I thought about this at the time. I think I subconsciously built this moment of that, uh, where's Wesley? He didn't make it. 
right? And and Gun is wounded and bleeding out, and it's the two vampires and Illyria pops up, and they're like, "What? So what do we do now? Let's go to work." And then they yeah. end on that moment, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck." <laughs> that, with the like the army coming down on top of them, and just let's mm-hmm. go to work. And I watched. Megan and Casey do it. And I think everybody at the table just had fucking chills. It was yeah. so good. So um uh what is your favorite piece of lore in Buffy? That's so vague. <laughs> I love any episode that goes back in time in the Spike Angel Drusilla. Bella. All the flashback shit. All the flashback <laughs> shit. Like I love those episodes um where you get to see who they were like especially like the ones like there's quite a bit of spike before he was spike like as william not even william the bloody but just william um william the bloody awful yeah yeah the yeah um which even like continues his story arc and his character growth of where he started like because we see him start as a bbg and then we see him get back to more of William yeah. towards in season seven where he's that hopeless romantic. Yeah. But seeing like where he actually started to where he went to then where he. It's it's funny because it, it, these two shows are one of the only shows for anybody that, that, that is listening and hasn't seen these shows. And they're like, what the fuck are these guys? About? <laughs> First, go binge all of the seasons and then well, come back. <laughs> it's just about the only time where we have a couple of main characters and Spike and Angel, although Drusilla and Darla get the same treatment. We've got these these characters that are hundreds of years old. And we get introduced to them when they're in the shit of it already, right? Yeah. And we not only get to see them progress forward, but we get to tell their story backwards. We get to see them get closer and closer to when they were just good, mm-hmm. right? And it's amazing to me that David Boreanaz was able to, like, I'm not going to say that he was able to keep step with the acting chops of James Marsers or uh, Juliet Landau. Like, Spike and Drew fucking knocked it out of the, out of the park. Yeah. But... But he did a pretty good job considering that he was discovered on the side of the road walking his dog. He was a male model. And they're like, hey, you know what? You need to be our love interest in this teenage show. And then he ended up carrying his own show later. Mm-hmm. He did a pretty good fucking job considering the lack of acting history that he had. Yeah. But uh, but it is amazing to watch the progression at the same time of this is how we're getting less evil in the future and why we were less evil in the past. And it was really cool to watch them continue that lore for seasons there was always flashbacks right so yeah and you never knew when they were coming like it wasn't just uh all this season we're gonna have these arcs like they came up sporadically Mm -hmm. and throughout and like each piece just really showed more of who they were and made their characters even more complex you know yeah like you would get little snippets of like you heard that angel changed drew and she was in a like she was going to be a nun or something like that like she was in a yeah um and but then you like get to see it too like it's not just a thing they said in passing like you see and and they and they did it in the darkest way possible like he did he didn't just like and he turned her into a vampire no he fucked with her and drove her crazy yeah first right like Like that yeah that was dark and they didn't just mention it in passing like you said they played in it yeah right that's very very cool um my favorite piece of lore in Buffy, I love the idea of the Watchers. Yeah. I just love the fact that there's a handler. Like, 
for for all of the superhero shit that we've had in the last 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't really had anyone that's like got a just human in the background that's more than just the guy in the chair, right? They're mm-hmm. they're someone who was there for guidance and training and will get you to to move forward. Like I liked um I uh, BPRD for uh Hellboy as well. Like Hellboy has an institution behind him helping him do shit and and working with him and Buffy had that as well and I I really like that. I could have seen a bunch more watcher shit because yeah. Wesley I loved Giles is of course probably fucking like he might be ultimately my favorite Buffy character, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz he for the whole time but uh, but they even had wow, fuck what's his name? Hold on, I can do this. Ethan Rain, who was the mm-hmm. fallen watcher, right? That was like uh-huh. Giles's. And I am, I gotta say, I am pissed. We never got more about Ripper. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, <laughs> fuck I would have watched the shit out of that. Yeah, that that needed to be a spinoff. Just <laughs> uh, Spiker Angel. Oh no, that's you. Fuck. <laughs> Spiker Angel. Angel. Spike. I get it. And Spike and, and like honestly, depending on the day, it is Spike. But ultimately, Angel's tragic Spike won at the end of Buffy. Mm-hmm. At the very last moment when he died at the end of Buffy, he finally got his redemption. He finally got what he wanted. Angel never got what he wanted. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, the thing that he wanted the most was, was Buffy and he couldn't have it. The thing that he wanted the most uh, after that, like his next goal was to uh, to be a good father to Connor. And the only way that he could be a good father is to wipe his memory and have somebody else adopt him mm-hmm. and not have a relationship with the son. That's fucking heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. I, just, I don't know what it is. I just love the tragedy. The angel never got proper love like he almost loved darla again right and then mm-hmm. nope that went fucking sour in a big goddamn way right he almost had a best friend in wesley but then wesley betrayed him right and there was just one thing after that he never got the win yeah and nobody under like buffy had people die but she was not directly responsible for their well-being the way that angel was responsible for his friends and employees Mm-hmm. and Doyle died on Angel's watch, Fred died on Angel's watch, right? Like, everybody was systematically just, like, he could not win. The only person that was there shoulder to shoulder with him at the very end was fucking Spike, which yeah. is like, what a kick in the balls. <laughs> I love their love-hate relationship like <laughs> how much how much spike and spike and angel are in love fanfic have you read over the years <laughs> um i you, am you don't have to answer that you don't have to answer oh i actually have a box set of just spike episodes um that is phenomenal i didn't even know that existed yeah 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 hold on let me see what episodes are in it. It's called Spike Love is Hell. <laughs> I gotta turn my background off so you can see it. Just was blur it. I don't want to blur it. I want to turn it off. Oh wait, choose virtual background. No. Okay. I have seen that picture before. I didn't realize that. How many episodes are in that? There is School Hard, Lie to Me, Lovers Walk, and Fool for Love. That's a pretty um, good. That's a pretty good arc. And they didn't get in any of the really weird dark let's yeah. let's bring the house down around us hardcore banging in the later season crash i want to say that episode yeah. is called crash yeah. 
I've watched that episode uh, a few times on its own as well. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and then there's a special special feature, Spike character profile featurette at the end of it. I gotta yeah. say, I fucking like streaming is doing us dirty by not letting us own our own media. I really don't like the idea of I pay monthly fees to rent shit. I don't like the fact that you can now buy cars and you have to pay a monthly fee to unlock shit like heated seats, right? Like, I don't, I really hate the direction we're heading where we are all going to just owe the companies our our entire existence. But the thing that I miss the most about DVDs specifically is the special features. So much good shit. That's... I, I swear like by watching them. Watching it back with like the characters' commentary and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm like the Lord of the Rings box sets, the special edition, like the extended edition ones. There's so much good, good shit in that. There's, I don't know. I I will. I should. I should start buying fucking Blu-rays again. Now that Best Buy is dying and is not going to carry like fucking physical media anymore. Yeah. Like I should. I should start investing. Are they still just expensive for no reason, though? I don't know. I haven't bought a DVD in a very long time. <laughs> I bet that the last thing that I bought, as far as physical media goes, uh, was Firefly. And because I've got that literally in arm's reach, too. <laughs> I have, uh, god damn, someone send us 20 questions about Firefly because I could go <laughs> off. Um, but but, I also have shirts I could wear for that. No one can see, but I'm in a Sunnydale lumber um, t-shirt. Which <laughs> I the absolutely colors of their high school. <laughs> I absolutely love. Um, I had a blue sun t-shirt for years mm-hmm. um, for uh, for Firefly, and I it, have Jane's hat. I wear it in the winter time. <laughs> I have Jane's hat as well. Yeah. So I wear it hunting because it's bright orange. <laughs> I when I. <laughs> I used to wear it like in just winter, but we're in Vancouver. So like it gets cold, but it doesn't get cold, cold. And our cold is wet. So like a knitted toque is not the best answer, Mm -hmm. like for headgear, because you just end up wearing an ice cube, right? It's just too humid and too cold. So I would wear it, but I would wear it infrequently. Like if I was on our our transit system or something, I I would wear Mm -hmm. Jane's toque. And I always thought that like it was always ironic. I'd wear it if I was with somebody who got the, the reference, right? I'm not one of those guys that just like wears it all the time for no reason, but I stopped wearing it because it is so ugly and so ridiculous. (laughs) And I I was starting to talk to Mieka regularly and Uh we would like FaceTime and stuff. And I was, I kept having to pull the toque off and hold it in one hand so she wouldn't see me with this ridiculous orange fucking traffic cone on my head. Because I was, I, it was early enough in the relationship that like, I was like, I need to make a good impression. And then I stopped <laughs> wearing it and then ended up in a box because I moved and I've, I never pulled it out again. So yeah. now she has seen and loved Firefly and, and seen and been betrayed by Serenity. Um, and uh, and now she, she, she would get the reference. But uh, she's been looking at, oh, I've got magnets that I bought at one of the fan expos of all the Firefly characters and yeah. a Reaver and Serenity. But it also has Jane's hat. Uh, as as another special little magnet and they all been on the side of my fridge for years and Mieka's always seen them and never asked but like oh i wonder who those characters are Uh then we watched firefly and then a month later she was standing in the kitchen she was like drying dishes and she looked over she went oh i just (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah i don't know i i gotta go with 
I got to go with Angel. Mm-hmm. I do not blame anybody for liking for choosing Spike. Spike is just the fucking mm-hmm. best. So yeah. also, I don't know if it's because it's in the opening <laughs> credits for a while, but mm-hmm. him in his like Billy Idol, like eighties yeah. flashback, the punk, yeah. th- that is definitive Spike. And I don't know why because that was one episode and like, yeah. but there's something about that that is just so fucking on point. I love what somebody said something about like he stole Billy Idol's look and he was like, no, he stole it from me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, and then when he takes the coat off the dead slayer and that's how you realize he gets his trench coat. Heartbreaking. Okay. And the, only to so meet good. that slayer's son as a grown adult later. Like, uh-huh. uh, and he's like, you killed my mom. And he's like, you're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> this show is so fucking good. Um, we we oh, got doesn't he does he take the coat off of Spike at one point? He does. He got he yeah, has the he, beats, he has he, the shed full of crosses and the crosses. He lures him in and he plays the song. Yeah, that Spike's mom used to sing. Yeah, <sighs> so good. Um, we've got four questions all in a row here that are all pretty similar, but let's let's yeah, jump yeah, into yeah. them. The first one is, what class is Xander? Bard. Yeah, like he's there to inspire them. Like, that's what he does. He, like, gives them all those, like, inspirational talks of, like, you can do this. And I'm just this guy, but you have, like, you can do this and you can save us. And I was always a little annoyed. Not not really annoyed, but I was always just, like, raise one eyebrow that Xander never got his moment. Mm -hmm. He was never badass. His moment was talking about a crayon, right? And that was his Mm -hmm. most definitive moment was talking Dark Willow down off the ledge, right? Yeah. Or, or letting Don feel um, validated or like he was really, really quickly relegated to sidekick status and then never outgrew it. And I always wanted him to do more. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a bunch of Buffy comics. I collected them for a little while. I was working at a comic book store at the time when they were coming out, but there were Buffy and Angel comics that came out to be season eight and six respectively. And it was like, they were good. And he had stepped up in the comics to be like a watcher for, in like a headquarters for all of these people that were out on all of these slayers that were out on missions around the world and stuff. And that felt good for him that he was doing kind of the Nick Fury thing. Yeah. They even say that in the comic because he's got one, an eye patch. One eye. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, Did you see there's audible, there's new Buffy books on audible voiced by the actors. It like just came out like last week. Uh, perhaps I don't have time for this. I'm, I, I need sleep. I need sleep at some point. Ah, <laughs> All right. I just I just discovered two two new podcasts that I'm like, yeah. And I don't I drive to work once a week, maybe like once every two weeks at this point. So I'm so far behind on the shit I'm listening to because I'm busy listening to actually Megan's voice more than anybody else's because she's on so many fucking series. <laughs> but sorry, sorry. <laughs> but, I was uh, looking up the Buffy thing. I accidentally pressed play on the book I'm currently. It's uh, Slayers, a Buffyverse story. All right. God damn it. All right. <laughs> yeah. I forget what, which actors are in it. It definitely right off the bat has Cordelia and Spike. Well, I mean. And then there's right. some other ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fine. Fine. You've, you've ruined my fucking week. Here we go. <laughs> I have to finish the book I'm listening to before I buy that one. <laughs> oh, okay. So Xander's a bard, I guess Xander's feels feels right. As I go through the rest of them, like he doesn't I I was gonna say he's a purple dragon knight because a lot of the subclass features are social 
and is relatively useless in a fight. Like mm-hmm. he can swing a sword or an axe, but he's going to get his ass kicked more than anybody else's. Yeah. He so, can not die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not for lack of trying though. Holy uh-huh. shit. Yeah. And even just the like, I don't know when Buffy dies and he's the one that brings her back. Like, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an interesting storyline. I really, I, I, I like the story is so pro feminist. And so not having the men be the, the center of attention, getting the spotlight feels good. It feels right. Yeah. I would have loved to have explored like one episode a season, maybe not even that much. Xander's, irrelevance he had one episode where there were like a bunch of uh, like zombie bullies that came back and mm-hmm. he got all caught up with them for one episode yeah. <laughs> right but like and because he was feeling useless and yeah. he he had a good monologue in season seven with i think it was to dawn about how his job is to sit back and just be the emotional support like he doesn't get to be the hero and it took yeah. him a while to get to that point I would have liked episodes exploring that arc. Um, But I, as much as I would have wanted that, I would have much rather gotten more Spike or Willow or Giles or like there are other characters that I was happier that we explored. Uh, I was a little choked when we had to go through um, the principal book. Mm -hmm. What was his name? Principal in season seven. What was the principal's name? Season seven. That was the, 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 the Slayer's son. Yeah. What was his name? The character's name. I have to Google. I'm I'm googling it now too, just because it's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, Wood, I, Robin Wood. Wood, not book. Wood. Yeah. Wood. I really like that actor Slayer. too. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little choked that we got so much flashback shit for him in season seven when we had other characters that could have been developed more. Like yeah, the fall, like Andrew's fallout in season seven. I could we could have used another episode on him and the darkness behind that, or yeah. or Anya's. <laughs> Anya and Xander didn't really do much in season seven, and they like they could have. There, there was stuff. Yeah, they were just babysitting a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were babysitting Andrew. They were babysitting Slayers. I loved Andrew though; he was one of my favorites. <laughs> I loved uh, when he came back in in season five of um of Angel Angel too. Yeah, for for an episode, and he was like all cool and his. Like, he was trying so hard to be the where's turtleneck and be yeah so yeah. good all right um what class is anya she was a god she's a depowered god what what is a depowered god what class is that is uh, it see i would say warlock because she got her powers by signing a pack yeah. yeah yeah that's fair i would have said that anybody that signed the pack with her would have been a warlock because they were the ones getting wishes granted yeah, but ultimately she got her powers to do that from somebody else. Actually, and it was yeah, that's a job true. For her, and then she failed at her job, and her powers were taken away. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. How did you feel about their wedding? I don't know. It's one of those I hate in all shows that like you put all like you invest so much time into a couple, and then they just dissolve for no real fucking reason. Um, like I hate, I hate that. Like just, just let some, just let them be happy. Just let them be married. <laughs> I don't even mind if they dissolve over a real issue and not yeah, just like the, it wasn't. There like, was no fucking reason. Let me tell you something. I'm going through the engagement shit right now with me. Uh-huh. The number one argument that we have had more than any other, any other by a fucking site is the guest list. Yeah. 
like as much money as we're spending and decorations have been chosen and it's complicated because we got to line up suits but like half of the wedding party is in Canada and half of the wedding party is in America and like mm-hmm. I can't I, I will never have all of the groomsmen together to go like do a do like suit fittings and shit so yeah there's a lot of balancing a lot of organizing a lot of scheduling and it's it's a lot it is a lot mm-hmm. however the thing that we fight about more than anything else is guest list. But at no point has it made either of us want to like cancel the fucking wedding. Like, yeah. And to be it, fair, they're not demons on either side, though. Oh, <laughs> oh, you say that. You say I'm that. Just try, Wait you until know, you see I'm, who shows up. We, I, I fucking invite your families. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I have very few people coming from my family, actually. I've got a very yeah. small, I mean, my family's big, but we were on the opposite coast growing up. I don't know any of them. I've yeah. got like one uncle from each side and that's it. And so I like everyone coming from my side are my friends. And these are the, the my friends are the demons. They are going to come in from out of town as a bunch of weird, strange, unable to stop cursing because we're all fucking Canadian. <laughs> right. And it's just part of our lexicon. And they're just gonna they're just well, gonna bubble fair. their way know in some of your friends so i can vouch for <laughs> it is going to be <gasps> you do have dan on your side so. you know i just remembered clem <laughs> from season <Yeah>. seven <laughs> and that dan is my clem loved clem <laughs> <laughs> oh when they play poker and gamble for cats yep yep <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, what class is Buffy? Um, I mean, I'd say fighter. Like she's your champion, you know. Yeah, she never. She's not casting spells. She doesn't mm-hmm. rage. She's not stealthy like a rogue. Yeah. She's champion she's fighter. Like, yeah, or what is a battle? The battle master, but battle. she doesn't really like yeah. lead anybody else into battle. Even when she does, they usually fucking fail. Like yeah. Faith is a battle master in season seven more than anything else. Mm. She more so tells people not to follow her as they just do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Buffy's like a groom. Like she will lead people in like the you do this, you like you hit research, you do this. I'm gonna go patrol. Like yeah, but she gets she's... a little bit into that. But yeah, I think more champion. More champion fighter. fighter. Again, I could have her be a gloomstalker ranger just mm-hmm. because of how much time she spends out at night walking around and she's With more she's... <laughs> Yeah, she's fightier than a than a rogue, but mm-hmm. yeah, champion fighter feels right. Yeah. Um what class is Dawn? NPC. Side, sidekick. <laughs> Dawn does very fucking little. I would say that she yeah. is warlock because mm-hmm. everything that she does the moment she's no longer the key and we don't have to worry about that shit yeah. anymore the moment we don't worry about that she's consistently trying to learn magic and borrow powers from everybody else and every time that she does that it becomes a fucking problem <laughs> and i think we see that storyline like six times where she yeah. i mean the the musical is one of them right where yeah where she just stealing things is she yeah. a rogue She's not sneaky enough. I mean, she tried to be sneaky with the like stealing things, and she went through that like teenage rebellion of sneaking out and like um, yeah, she, she tries. She's boyfriend. edgy enough. Like she, yeah. she's, her diary probably reads like a rogue's diary. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't she's know. Like, just not a great rogue. <laughs> she, she, she's, she's a, a level a, two rogue. Yeah, she's a rogue who rolled very low stats. <laughs> she clearly came in mid campaign. 
uh-huh. and uh, and doesn't understand the dynamic of the rest of the party. She's that character that died, and then like the player has to come back with a new character. <laughs> yeah, but like as the key, I would say sorcerer because she's innate magic. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. then like that goes, so it's the character that you think is one thing, and then something happens, and they like have to switch class halfway through. <laughs> oh, fuck, I've got, I've got, I've got a couple of those. Charlie plays a character all the time. I, I'm this, and everyone says okay, and then he starts using spells that he that he shouldn't have access to or whatever they're like uh-huh. uh who what are you really yeah what what, what can we actually rely on you for yeah. at this point he's learned that the reveal is satisfactory when he when the characters don't know but the players do so the players get to watch it unravel and enjoy it so yeah. there's that the meta knowledge is like yes absolutely we love this but the but the characters are appropriately shocked in the moment which is yeah which is fun i played in a game where one of the characters sat on a throne and you had to roll and there was a random table that went with the throne and he had to change his class completely so he went from rogue to i i want to say like an evil cleric of an evil god that made this chair but it was it was random like he had to roll and it could have been like so many different things and it just happened to be that and i feel like that's dawn like she started as a sorcerer and then like that got taken away yeah yeah then she became a commoner for Uh a little while and then slowly (laughs) started to take levels in in warlock um yeah i uh was that a campaign or was that like a one shot that it was a podcast it used to be on okay yeah that just feels really brutal there's one thing in the um in the tomb of horrors where if you fail the test you'll make a save whatever it is you end up getting your gender swapped mm-hmm. um and or actually well it's actually your sex and gender swap and uh, in today's day and age i think that's particularly loaded that's not the shits and giggles it was back in the 70s and 80s yeah but um but i keep an eye out for shit like that like reincarnation is another one like yeah your character can come back but they're a different race now and mm-hmm. i'm uh, that always feels so punishing to the yeah to the i just player. had it was a choice so it wasn't like he had to but in the last session i played um there is a dwarf and he could have chosen to become a warforge to have his um cool. like mind put into yeah, a yeah, mech yeah. suit and become a warforge and it would have changed his race in the in the game completely and if you make it a choice, that's fine. One of the things that I like to do, actually, actually, my party is is almost ready for this. We've gotten to the point about a, about level six to eight, somewhere around there. I like to give a, I call it a, um, a pool of destiny, and it's any player, any player character can walk into it once, and what they can do is they cannot change their race. But they can change their class and background and change their backstory. And so they get to rewrite just by by soaking for a long rest inside this what looks like naturally occurring glowing pool. And uh, it's worked a good success for people that didn't like the way that they ended up building their character. Right. So you're a dwarf is still a dwarf an elf is still an elf, but you can choose to be like. I don't I don't want to be a fighter anymore. I want to I would rather have played a barbarian or a rogue. Or if you didn't like the way that you multi-class, you can say, you know what, I'm gonna get rid of these levels and I'm gonna take these levels instead. And you just yeah. get to rebuild it from the ground up with your original stats. So okay. all the ASIs and feats are locked, or not feats, the ASIs are locked in, right? So that you're numerically you're not changing. 
yeah. but you can change what order they go in. Okay. Right. So um, that I've done that. It's been pretty good. I've had a couple people take me up on that. Casey got rid of a level of rogue at one point. Remember Jamie rewrote an entire subclass for himself. Like it's it's useful, but I don't like I don't like forcing that on people. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, this one's okay. We got a list here. Yeah. Oz, Riley, Wesley, Angel, Cordelia, Spike, Giles, and Joyce all left the show in the middle. Who do you miss the most? Well, we're missing people off this list though because Tara. like Riley made the list, but fucking Tara didn't. Yeah. Oz, Riley, Wesley. And I mean, like Faith... Spike left and came back. He was in and out. Yeah. Faith is not on the list. She should be on the list as well. Mm-hmm. Whose whose sudden absence did you feel the most in the following episodes? I. I think of that list, like the one I would have loved to see more of was Oz. Yeah. Losing Oz. Oz as a character. Look, I love Tara. I'm glad we had the space for Tara to come in. That was probably my favorite relationship on the entire show. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was the one that felt like it was a real relationship and not a television relationship. Yeah. But fuck, I was a big fan of Seth Green for years. Like I grew up watching Seth Green. Yeah. Like... (laughs) Um, he started doing robot chicken and then kind of fell off and family guy. And I'm like, I'm not interested in your other shit. I, I would rather you were still in movies and stuff. So, yeah. um, do you remember idle hands? Isn't that you were the only person that I've ever met that has asked me, do you remember idle hands? Idle hands. I watched last night. It is my only, I haven't seen it in so long, but that movie is one that like sticks with me. I want to watch it again. So bad. I did. I like, I need to see if it lives up in my head. Oh, it is. It is so late nineties. It is painful. Yeah. However, it is my only <laughs> traditional Halloween rewatch. Yeah. I will always watch Idle Hands. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I've got a folder on my computer of the of shows that go from one computer to another and one drive to another. And so like yeah. and I consistently I'm thinking I'm on like the eighth computer now that I've moved the stuff over to. Um Idle Hands is one of the five or six files in that. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but I'm never gonna take it out. And it's yeah. just it's one of those things that I was <laughs> I was uh working late last night and uh I'm like, I should edit. I'm like, wait a minute, it's five days till Halloween. Here we go. So, <laughs> so I fucking love Idle Hands. And the soundtrack is solid. Yeah. And I need to rewatch it. It's been at least one and a half decades, I think, since I've seen it. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, you're in for a good time. Also, Jessica Alba was, I think, discovered in that movie or around yeah. then as well. Remember when Devin Sawa was a fucking movie yeah. star? That was a good time. I have pictures of him on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have been the right age for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I was under the impression in my mid-teens that Devin Sawa's career got sniped by Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. If Devin Sawa had been cast in that Romeo and Juliet, the world would be different today. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Who do I miss the most? We are going off on so many different... Uh, I told you, we said in, in, in our private messages, we said this is going to be the most rambled fucking confused episode but we, like we got I, I know. Right. we got i gotta leave in an hour we gotta get <laughs> all right okay 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 uh i i definitely felt the loss of angel when yeah. he was missing in season three it felt it felt odd mm-hmm. or sorry in season four it felt odd like he was just gone yeah. right um but i did not like giles leaving giles has been like possibly potentially one of my favorites in any given scene that he is in I could yeah. always watch more Anthony Stewart head. Yeah, he's good. He was 
Yeah, he was definitely the like father figure that all of those kids needed. Like you only saw Joyce as a parent. Like you saw, <laughs> you heard Xander's parents like yelling from the top floor when like he lived in their basement, and you saw Willow's like once. W- Willow's mom popped up in season one for like a uh, half of a scene. Yeah. Right. Um. Like that's that's one thing. As a mom, when I rewatch it, I'm like, where are all of their parents at? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like. I just yeah. imagine there's so many scenes where Joyce is getting a phone call from Willow's mom. Is Willow there? Yes. <laughs> right, like, there's a lot of that shit going on in the background. That is like rewatching it during COVID. I'm like, I can tell that I'm old now because I identify most most with Joyce. <laughs> it's interesting. I remember thinking at the time how much, and and I still believe this, how much I appreciate the fact that they didn't get Giles and Joyce to hook up. Mm -hmm. They did it for that one episode where all the adults were pushed back to be teenagers, right? But like, but the fact that they never had that moment, Mm -hmm. every other show would have done it, would have had like the father figure and the mom hook up and they Mm -hmm. never did. There was mutual respect. There was understanding, but Joyce like straight up didn't trust Giles for a while as well. Just like, I I, I, mean, I, appreciate I get that. that he's like this old guy just hanging around your teenage daughter like there's yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I but, I appreciated that yeah yeah okay um Buffy herself subverts a lot of old stereotypes was there anything else that stood out to you as being a great flip on a stereotype or trope I mean, the premise of the whole thing is like the the blonde girl that gets murdered in the first scene is actually the most the capable. But like, that's the that's the whole shtick. That's the gimmick. Even the movie, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. But ah, um, I've got that somewhere too. <laughs> <laughs> I find that one painful to watch. That one's yeah. that one's harder for me to get through. I'm not a fan of the so bad it's good movies, and it's a little mm-hmm. too cheesy for me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you had mentioned 90210, and uh, what is Dylan? I think was in that one. <laughs> okay. Um, anyone else stood out? Uh, anything else stood out? It's being a great flip on a stereotype or a trope. I liked the no weapon forged by man turns out to be a bazooka. That was a good flip. Yeah. Um, okay, my favorite thing is that they found a loophole in their own lore, and it's almost like it was written to be this way. One of the big strokes of genius was. In every generation of Slayers born, there can be only one, right? Mm-hmm. And then they managed to, by killing Buffy once, bring in Kendra. By killing Kendra, bringing in Faith. But Buffy's still around. And then if Buffy, when Buffy died again, it didn't bring in a new Slayer. Like there yeah. was, like Faith was the one that would have to die. That's a huge debate. Yeah. Like in the Buffy, like that is such a huge debate um, that goes down. But I really, I really liked that. It ended up not mattering anyway, because all like girl power, right? Yeah. But like it was. Which I just had a friend present to me um, a theory on this. It may be midgets. When, huh? She had a theory. It may be midgets. It might be. It's probably bunnies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um when they all get activated, does Willow kill them each for a millisecond to activate the next one? That was that's like a fan theory that's out there apparently. I just had this discussion of like like it's an interesting theory, but we literally mm-hmm. see them power up. I the one yeah. distinctly in my head is a little girl who's it's playing baseball, baseball right? Yeah, yeah with the baseball that's bat. the one that popped in my head too and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
but like we see them it's it's not like they they their eyes don't roll back and they collapse and stand up more powerful mm-hmm. if they did that maybe but like no they're they're very much just suddenly someone flipped the the light switch that's in my head there's and a switch between like their shoulder head. blades that you just flip yeah. the light switch poof, now they've got the power right so mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know this is a good question there were a lot of tropes and almost like episode by episode they subverted a bunch of tropes as well mm-hmm. um but the, i mean the biggest thing the biggest thing was just like they they put the power in the hands of women yeah. and if you think about it up until that point girl-centric shows were soap operas and sitcoms mm-hmm. right we didn't really have we didn't have alias yet we didn't have uh fuck what was the james cameron one dark angel like we didn't have any of these like big power like xena was around and i think that was the only other thing that was comparable yeah. at this point right so it but was also xena was like like she was a beefy like she was an amazon like she wasn't this like 16 year old girl yeah you know, yeah. like you look at Xena and like, yeah, she's going to fuck shit up. Like you don't look at Buffy and, you know. Like, I always like every time that someone in Xena, not that I watched a whole lot of it and we should stop doing tangents, but every time that there was <laughs> someone in Xena that was like, what are you going to do, girl? I'm like, she's twice your size. She's going to eat you. She yeah. will actually fucking literally eat you. Why are you mouthing off? Yeah. Hmm. Do you have a favorite stereotype or trope that got flipped? A thing that was... Kind of thing. Nothing is like really popping in my head. Um, but yeah, I think just the whole thing is just a stereotype that gets flipped, you know. And yeah. I think, I mean, and there's even like Buffy herself is the like small girl, but like that also with Willow as the nerd, you know, who then comes into herself and yeah, like I think she breaks a lot of stereotypes of that like nerdy. And see girl that you know and frankly we've been we've been seeing guys in popular media since like the 70s since like revenge of the nerds where nerds were stepping up to reclaim their power do not go back watch revenge of the nerds it's problematic as fuck but yeah. like <laughs> but we have seen that trope over and over and over again i feel like and someone will correct me on this but i feel like this was a turning point for girl nerds mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and like when she um dressed up as vampire willow (laughs) that is that's an episode that we haven't talked about is the alternate like dark uh like the The mirror i'm pretty sure it's called doppelganger yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) those ones so good so good i love seeing just the different versions of willow but they're all i think they're all inside of her you know yeah I think I'm kind of gay. Well, that yeah. paid off a lot later, didn't it? <laughs> uh, what was a plot you wanted to see more of that just kind of disappeared? Mm, I don't know. The ones that I think of that just kind of disappeared, I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, there was a lot of stuff that was introduced with Glory that we never touched mm-hmm. on again. Like all of those knights yeah. attacking the RV and like... There was just a lot of stuff in season five that didn't make it back into season six. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I was okay with that. And I don't know if it's because season six was so good that I yeah. like I just like I'm good with moving on from this. Um, but yeah, there was a lot with Glory. And like she really brought in that there's different dimensions 
Mm -hmm. I think, which they touched on when Buffy died and came back and was in heaven. Um, and then I mean, there are they yeah, there there's different hell dimensions and they got a lot of mileage out of that in Angel. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sort of flipped. Like they I think introduced it in Buffy, but like Angel is really where that played out. So if you didn't watch Angel and you just saw Buffy, like I could see that being something you'd want to see more of. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, you had to you had to flip shows to explore that. I yeah, I think the one in Angel that I always felt just got left by the wayside was Gun had a whole crew of vampire hunters that yeah. just got forgotten about yeah. at one point, right? Yeah, I think it happened more in, in Angel where they just had like plot lines that just sort of like they kept interrupting one plot line with the next biggest thing, and uh -huh. but that was part of the show too. Was like. Angel would go off to do something and Wesley and Gunn would be standing there going like, we've got fucking work to do over here. Like, why are you going off and doing this? And that just kept happening. And it was an ongoing theme about his level of responsibility. It was done on purpose, but that uh -huh. very much was something that happened a lot. Like you had the, the smaller characters cleaning mm -hmm. up a lot of messes, right? Yeah. There was one, like, in season one, now that I'm thinking about it, like, you sparked me. Um, In season <laughs> one, and I don't know why it sparked my brain, but it did, of Buffy, they had so many cliffhangers at the end of episodes. Yeah. And the one where Amy's mom is a witch and she gets put into that trophy. Episode three. Episode three. Yeah. yeah and the she eyes gets glow. put into the trophy and you see the eyes move. Like, I wanted to see what happened with that. Like, whatever happened to that statue? It was in the school when, the, when it blew up. Like, where is Amy's mom right now? She's currently sitting in a pile of rubble underneath yeah. the high school. Like, yeah. <laughs> they But they did that a few times in season one, where they left you on, like, this could be a thing, but they didn't. I, that, is the, that is the 90s trope that drove me up the fucking wall is, uh -huh. in my head, it was, the, do you remember the Goosebumps TV show? That was at the end of every single fucking episode of, of Goosebumps where uh -huh. it would be like, the thing is resolved. And then the camera pans over to someone smiles evilly. Like, uh -huh. oh, we, we killed the evil wizard. And then it turns over and like the, the actor who played the wizard is pretending to be the janitor in the corner now. And yeah. like, they just like, aha, we didn't actually defeat the thing. And they did it so <laughs> fucking often in the 90s. Uh -huh. And season one of Buffy was really guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. That would be the, like, every time I watch those back, I'm like, but I want to know what happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, is it me next? Are we in 16? Yes. Look at, we've gone through so many. <laughs> Two hours later. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel, um, I, I feel like we spend so much time talking about, like, who's your favorite character? Now we're getting into the deep questions and we're like, uh -huh. speed through it. Let's we got to speed go. it up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all of the characters had a distinct flaw that they had to overcome. Do you build characters with flaws that can grow beyond the flaw? Every time. And I encourage my players to do it at a table as well, right? Yeah. Like you get a little part on your character sheet that's bonds, traits, and, and, and then the flaws is the last one. Lean into yeah. it. My last character that I played was only a couple of weeks ago. I played for two shot was a Goliath Barbarian, and he was absolutely, he was Path of the Giant, super powerful, a lot of fun to play, Scared of the Dark. Mm -hmm. That was so much fun to play, Scared of the Dark, yeah. because we were going underground, and we were like in catacombs fighting drow. There's no light sources in here. So I was always like, is there a torch? Are there torches mm -hmm. around? And I was collecting fucking torches, because I didn't want to be scared of the dark. And when all of the lights went out at one point, my characters started screaming and thrashing. 
just because yeah. he would until Omega's character created a light source and and then I was okay again. So yeah. I absolutely do that. That's where the fun lands. Yeah. Um. I mean, and like like they give you a flaw in D and D that you can play with, and sometimes I go with it, sometimes I don't. Um. I think I'm more so. I don't build them in with a flaw, but I think things happen that give them. You just, you discover the flaws. I yeah I do like I had my favorite character um struggled with continually losing her friends um and not only losing her friends but like finding out that a person she was very connected with and saw as like a father figure was actually the cause of her greatest trauma when mm. they didn't know each other and then they happened to meet up and this was very organic and how it happened in the game because in this world um we have multiple parties that play in the same world and multiple people and and we we can switch around between groups we're not in one group the whole time yeah um so our players just happen to like i can play at this time and i can play at this time let's play together and didn't know that about each other that he caused my greatest trauma so it was like learn it's learning to forgive friends and understand and um then losing him and just having to like there was a there's a big character arc but it just happened it wasn't a plan um so i think my my flaws and having to learn those things come more organically to my characters. Oh, uh, getting a little bit lighter. What was your favorite <laughs> joke on Buffy? My favorite. There's so many good ones. Uh, you kind of said it earlier. Like I was thinking when we were talking about Vampire Willow, I had the like, I think I might be gay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that might be it. And then you said it. <laughs> um. Yeah, and like I said, I quote Firebad Tree Pretty all the time. Um, It's hard to pick out. Again, I haven't I haven't watched it in a few. I like years. one of my favorite gags on it is is during Hush when she's making the stabbing motion, but they can't speak, <laughs> and everyone's like looking at her, and she got to go pick up the steak. And they're like, oh, oh that, that that's what you meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I got to say, uh, it was so much in, in the zeitgeist in exactly that moment, and it is not going to translate at all anymore. But in season seven, when they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and Trogdor the Burninator shows up, uh-huh. yes, I got to that fucking reference. And it was so <laughs> 2004, and only for like that month did people know what that was and give a shit. Yeah. But like, I, I happened to, to fucking get that. Like, that was one that, yeah. that stood out to me. Um, Andrew being Tucker's brother, like nobody knew who Andrew was, and he's like, "I'm Tucker's brother." But also, my last name was Tucker at the time. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like I like the fact I that I have uh, a shirt. Oh my god, I have a shirt that I have so many Buffy shirts. Um, and it is it says like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like has a book and stuff, and then it says on the bottom, Andrew Tucker's brother. <laughs> <laughs> The reason that Andrew was a character at all is because they couldn't get the actor that played Tucker to come back. He was supposed yeah. to, and they, they couldn't get him. So, like, all right, we're going to just have Tucker's brother. His little brother. <laughs> there were so many, there were so many good jokes in, in yeah. Buffy. Um, yeah. I could sit here and go through the list in my head and just try to like work my way through the seasons. Uh huh. But I think that that's, yeah. <laughs> we don't have that kind of time. I have a hair yeah. appointment soon. <laughs> Um, what is the most tragic storyline in Buffy, in your opinion? I mean, 
if it's not Joyce dying, it's Anya dying. If it's not mm-hmm. Anya dying, it's or Tara dying. Like if we take away the the death, like it's her having to stab her true love through the heart and send him into a hell dimension as yeah. he gets his fucking soul back. Mm-hmm. That was heart wrenching. Like there was a there was a lot, but there were also a lot of just like first of all, every episode had people dying. Yeah, and there was never any resolution for any of them. Like, like they, how many bodies were just left in mausoleums, and they like walked away. You know, those parents never found those kids, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We lost a lot of slayers in season seven. Like, there were a lot of girls that were just neck snapped, move on, and like you got to imagine that that Buffy's house was absolutely just full of shallow graves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, there's there was a lot of tragedy in Buffy, but getting ripped out of heaven i mean that's gotta be th- oh i'll tell you what my favorite joke is spike waking up and realizing that he's british and that he got named randy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good one <laughs> yeah so yeah. anyway yeah that uh, what Bobby what's the most Bobby. tragic I, like it's got to be it's got to be yeah. being ripped out of heaven right yeah that's what i was gonna say it's the her finally admitting that to spike although i also have to give a shout out to low-key one of the weirdest awkwardest and most upsetting do you have siblings i have a sister if you woke up one day and realized that she wasn't actually your sister and she's not even a thing and like Like false memories yeah how fucking tragic is that and like especially for her Uh i think that could have been low-key devastating and they just kind of glanced off of it and kept moving on yeah and then she was just gone yeah dawn also had to realize like yeah yeah. i'm not real i have like these memories and then the one person who she connected with the most was just gone we we live in a world now of more complex storytelling we've had things that are it was very simplistic premises back in the 90s and early 2000s and now we're able to dig into like the expanse and game of thrones and a lot of the hbo shows and the amc shows and stuff where they they can do a lot more if we were to get buffy now on like a streaming service i feel like don's character wouldn't have been like i'm a kleptomaniac and nobody listens to me and i'm sad and would be far more i'm having an existential crisis my life is a lie why do i even have to listen to you and like do more do, does morality matter to me do i have to follow the same rules do i have a soul yeah right and so and that's interesting because they did play with the impact of a soul so much between angel and spike and buffy getting ripped out of heaven like we yeah. very much saw people's souls yeah and we never really got anything about dawn being a, a fraction uh, of a character right like and then dawn thinking she was a potential slayer and then realizing she wasn't and having to just uh, hand that over brutal if yeah. anything she should have been more superpowered than anybody else because she has a literal part of buffy's yeah essence right like uh yeah there, there's a tragic storyline that mm-hmm. i don't know if it's the most tragic but it's definitely something to, to, to think about right yeah i think it's something that was there that just they didn't because she came in so late in the series didn't have the time to really explore yeah uh how has buffy impacted your own D games um i actually ran last year for halloween a session based on a halloween episode of buffy where they got locked in the frat house um <laughs> i did that for my kids yeah like 
<laughs> have your kids seen Buffy? Have you watched it with them? Um, they saw it when they were very young. Um, I went through a binge. I my son was like a toddler, and I remember he used to come up and do the vampire face. He'd go, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but he does i guarantee he does not remember any of it but for like a brief time when he was a toddler he used to like scrunch his face and go <laughs> you think they'd care if you were to if you were to sit down and binge watch with them or are they old enough now that they it's it's problematic yeah. because i remember well, my son's 14 so he is the age where it was sort of at the beginning marketed to right but it's also the 90s style so it's gonna be yeah. quote unquote cringe yeah right? it's so funny going back and watching those 90s shows and thinking like if they had a cell phone <laughs> oh, <laughs> all of this right? would be solved <laughs> in two seconds why don't you guys just look it up on wikipedia come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know right. but i was buffy buffy's impacted my DD games because I have literally put magical runes on my players to make them the chosen ones. Yeah. And every time that one of them dies, the, the rune ends up on someone else, on whatever the next character is, to be the next chosen one. Because I have to make them different than every other, you know, hero walking or traveling the land, right? They They have to be able to defeat monsters beyond their level. And have it make sense in the storyline. So they've been touched by the gods, but it's very much a chosen one storyline. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the background. <laughs> I can't, but e okay. like, I will be honest. Even if I could, mm -hmm. Casey's dog. <laughs> yeah, Loki. <laughs> Loki has straight up been in the credits of some of the, some of the episodes that I've edited. Yeah. Because we can't edit around her. And she's just like... Oh, Loki is roughly the size for, for everybody else. Loki is the size of the palm of my hand and yeah. always will be. She is the tiniest fucking so dog small. and makes the most fucking noise <laughs> and the happiest puppy in the whole world. Yeah. So, no, oh, my daughter's just leaving. So, my dog's going crazy. <laughs> um, all right. That's me. Um, how do you feel about the show Angel, which we've somewhat answered, but. <laughs> Uh, I I love it. It's yeah. It is not the best show I've ever watched, but it yeah. sits solidly in my top five at any given point. Um, it'll move up and down, but it sits solidly in, the, in my top five shows of all time for not just a comfort rewatch, but I will go pilfer storylines and subplots and character mm -hmm. like NPCs out of Angel. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more mature and it's a little bit more D and D. Yeah. I find that most of the females I know that like these shows like Buffy and most of the males that I know prefer the Angel series. Um, Angel's definitely more masculine and it doesn't get caught up in too much of the romance. There's soap opera for sure. But and it's I the... think it's out of high school. It's more of an adult out of high school. And it show. deals with a lot of themes of, of fatherhood. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a that's a big factor that was I was not fucking expecting. Also, the fact that they've got just like a rotating cast of people that are going to get fucking killed off at any given point mm -hmm. is is a, is amazing. Yeah. I just watched an episode of Angel the other day. Um, which, 
Which one? It was season one. It was like it was like half of one episode and then half of another one. I was at a friend's house, so it was just like on in the background. Um, it was season one. It was the guy who's like was obsessed with a woman and like his hand like came up through her sheets or oh whatever. all of his body parts his would body like body parts yeah it would fall off and become yeah. autonomous and yeah that was creepy and then the next one i think was when cordelia got into her apartment and like there was the ghost in it and, like the creepy face that came through the wall ghost dennis <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i fucking love angel there's so much good shit although I was not expecting them to kill Doyle like that. Uh Um, And then to have that, like, the actor died in real life, like, less than a year later was just tragic. But, yeah, um, yeah, crazy. So those those are the 20 questions. I I mean, okay, sorry. How did you feel ultimately over uh, about Angel? Angel. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I... I definitely prefer Buffy um, in that I've watched, like, I can just sit down and binge the fuck out of Buffy um, start to finish. I find it difficult to watch a couple of the seasons of Angel, um, but then I get to season five and, like, that's probably one of my favorite seasons of any show ever. Um, I, I don't know why it's just the, I think the feel of that show changes so much between season four and season five and it oh, it's a brand entirely. It's a yeah. It's a brand new, new show. show. Yeah. But it's, a, um, it's a new show between season one and season two as well. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wesley shows up halfway through season one and gun shows up near the end of season one, like episode 17 or 18 or something. But like season two through season four is one big arc. Yeah. And like, sure, we we have a little tangent off to go meet Fred, and like there uh-huh. are other little things, but it is one big arc. So yeah. I I can get that. I love that arc because it doesn't let up, but it also mm-hmm. ends on such a wet fart as well, mm-hmm. which is that Cordelia gives birth to a goddess, and it's a great idea in theory, but it just didn't work out the way that yeah. the execution wasn't great. So and I believe that like at that time it was because Firefly like apart and he was just finding spots for those characters that was a part of it but it was also just the fact that like they were getting canceled off of their like they were canceled at the end of season four and everyone mm-hmm. joss knew it and was bitter but i don't think anybody else knew it right yeah and they had um like that was a last minute season five was a last minute hail mary we're gonna we're gonna bring you back um and you have to earn your fucking ratings again um but uh no there was a lot of shit going on in the background uh charisma carpenter versus joss was a big factor Mm -hmm. there as well and um vincent carthizer who played uh connor was not happy wanted to move on to movies and stuff he was in a number of movies when he was a teenager then landed angel and it stuck him in the angst role for three or for i guess a year and a half he wanted to move on like there was a lot of there was a lot of shit so Mm -hmm. um I was not a Connor fan. Me neither. <laughs> like, I, no. just off to guy. I was just not a Connor fan at all. Um, total, yeah. total fucking addition here because we're talking about Angel. How great is fucking Lorne? Oh, love Lorne. I just had a conversation about Lorne too and how great he is. <laughs> I, I, again, at the very last thing, so I downloaded uh, Once More with Feeling and I have mm-hmm. since, I have it on one of my external drives, I've since added Lorne's version of It's Not Easy Being Green. Yeah. So good. So good. Which I remember an interview 
with um Joss Whedon and James Marsters that like they like Joss Whedon said at the beginning he would never do a musical episode and then like they went on break and he just like fucking wrote that and yeah. like, and and James Marsters I believe helped with like the music in it because he is in a band and like there was musical person like there was low key real musical talent on those shows right yeah yeah because um i love that willow only ever sings like one line in that yeah that whole episode and she's it's like i think this line is filler (laughs) like that's all you get (laughs) perfect everybody else sings these like full-on songs And Giles is is low key so fucking talented as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of the twenty questions here from uh, Diggly Blue Moon. Yeah. There's two more from Alexander, another Skip Davis. So, um, what three things would you pull from Sunnydale to put into a beginning adventure area? Love the Hellmouth. Just yep. as an idea, like you don't know why this town is is like that um that would be honestly that would be a great i might put it in something <laughs> that that's that's straight up the the plot for um the yawning portal too right yeah. like in water deep yeah but like the yawning portal like it's known like they built a whole fucking bar around it yeah and there's like, literally here... this is the gate the monsters come through here right yeah so. yeah like having your characters have to figure that out and there being that seal um that can open and yeah and getting to see like down into it and all the uber vamps down there working like i think that would be a good i i think the other thing that they actually mentioned a couple of times in buffy is there is just an inordinate amount of cemeteries in sunnydale Uh there are so many graveyards in sunnydale i think that having a beginning adventure area just like Oh, here's the village. It's got a population of, you know, 350 people. There are 17 cemeteries littered throughout these the surrounding lands, though. Yeah. Well, should have your players go, what the fuck? Where are we? <laughs> I think I think that's a good that's a good pull from Sunnydale as well. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think also just like the people in it, like they all know something is weird. Yeah. But they all just go about their fucking lives. Like so it's if you were to be in this town as players and like talking to people and they're just like going to school and like doing their thing um and then you just see something like a a mural or something to somebody and they're like oh yeah that was so and so and they died last week have a good day (laughs) yeah like that that's one of the things i don't think you get away with in storytelling these days like audiences expect you to treat them smarter like your background characters your extras your npcs whatever can't just be that dumb anymore and it's not dumb it's just like willful ignorance yeah it's just this is our life this is what this like we don't know any better this is our life this is what we live in this is just our day-to-day a lot of people die here but that's reality too there's a fucking town in texas where like people go fucking mad over time like dementia's four times the national average and Mm -hmm. there's literally shit in the water Right. Like and and they're like, yeah, but we've always lived here. It's all those people in Florida who have their houses knocked down every third hurricane. And they're like, why don't you fucking move? Well, this is our house. We're here. Like, this is just what we deal yeah. with. People just do that. Right. Like, well, it's part part of life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like the monster of the week feel, too. Like I just played an entire session of monster of the week or an entire level rather of monster of the week where every session they had the opportunity to go deal with one thing. It has nothing to do with the plot line. Just go out and train up. 
because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be the like we know that you are going to go to war eventually. We got to get you trained up to be as powerful as the rest of our heroes in town because you guys are in a level five. I'm like, okay, we can do that. So, and they, I would tell them what monster of the week do you want to go after and give them three or four options. And they would choose one and they go do it. We did that for five sessions in a row. So much fun. Get to use yeah. monsters you don't normally use. You get to have little plot lines that don't matter. They don't have to get spun into the storyline anywhere. There's yeah. no. It'll all matter later. No, you guys are just having fun and playing D and D. Yeah. And I've just we hit level six and I ripped them away from it, and now they're very much in the plot line and whatnot. But I'm trying to find a way to hit Monster of the Week again for a little while, mm-hmm. just to just to feel that a little bit more without it being the overarching plot. Yeah, I think that's something that this show did very well and that there was like each season had its overarching plot, but there are just fun episodes that is just like this monster of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it gave you a good mix of both. And it's I think that's a very hard thing to do. Like like, for instance, in season one with, uh, you know, Amy's mom being a witch had nothing to do with the master. But yeah. it's still like such a memorable episode. Like it's a good episode and, you know, and gave they, a lot of fun. They abandon it for the most part by season six and seven. Like those uh-huh. are just pure storyline. But yeah. the first five seasons definitely have the, the one of. The one that's weird to me now is the Thanksgiving episode. That's probably one of my least favorite episodes, except for Spike on the fucking couch the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> but like where the spirits of the Native Americans come back and attack Thanksgiving dinner. Uh-huh. Like, Jesus, guys, you could learn <laughs> some subtlety. Fuck. But it was the 90s. Like, that's what... Like, there's so much shit that they couldn't have gotten away with nowadays, I think. Yeah, the other thing about that episode that I'll give them is that was right when they were figuring out how do we transition this group of people that were in school together into hanging out and being a family after high school, Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, but I mean, even Angel came back for that one. And then he fucking left without saying anything to Buffy and like... She was pissed. That was yeah. great. She showed up on Angel the next week being like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, it was also very like, as like, so, like going into my adulthood, we had those like Friendsgivings that yeah. were like a fucking disaster. I mean, we didn't have spirits shooting at us, but like the first Friendsgiving I ever had was such a disaster. Like I think the turkey got cooked upside down. Nobody knew how to tell if it was actually cooked. We were all calling our moms. That's funny. <laughs> we had not enough big enough pan to make mashed potatoes. So we had three pans of potatoes, like pots of potatoes boiling on the stove at one time. We did not have anything to mash them with. So we're like mashing them with forks. Amazing. Nobody said what they were bringing. So it was all potatoes or pasta or like some kind of carb. There was no vegetables to be seen anywhere. And it was that kind of a like a memorable disaster that just like sets the tone for like, like it had to happen. Like that's your growth, you know? And I think Uh, that was very much like them trying to have a Thanksgiving. I've got a bunch of friends that are out here in Vancouver without their family. Mm-hmm. right and we've got a couple of friends who've lost both parents and whatnot at this point and so we've been doing friendsmas or friendsgiving for a while now mm-hmm. but i feel like i could we could beef that up to be even more i've never hosted it i've always just brought one thing and i'm like 
my place could handle 12 people. We can, yeah. everybody who, the only people that are invited are the people that don't have the ability to go home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I recommend that for people like that's. Yeah. Friendsgiving is amazing. Yeah. I've become the designated turkey carver because I'm the only one that like, I was the only one that like hunted at that point. Like I know my way around a carcass. That's, that, that's Dave. That like, yeah. And I'm like, who knows how to carve a turkey? I'm like, well, I can cut a deer up. So give me the knife. <laughs> I've got, I've got a couple of, look, they, it is a matter of pride with men for some reason, for some uh-huh. reason about how to like carve a turkey or, or yeah. cut meat or barbecue meat. I want, like, I am a 80% vegetarian. I do not give a shit about meat at all. Um, I can go, I actually have to remind myself sometimes, you haven't had meat in five or six days, you need protein in your life. Yeah. Um, I'm the opposite. I have to remind myself to eat a vegetable every once in a while. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Potato. I just love, I love vegetables. <laughs> and of course I love carbs, but who doesn't? But like, yeah. it's, uh, I'm not one of those guys. So I sit back and I watch. Dave is a de facto, like, here, carve a turkey, you know, grill a steak guy. But there are Mm -hmm. definitely a couple of other guys on the podcast, too, that are very much going to wait for Dave to turn his back so that they can take over and be men about it. And it's always fucking hilarious to watch. I don't have a whole lot of toxic masculinity in my life anymore. But that is probably the most comedic sitcom version of it that I see. All the men posturing around a barbecue or around... Well, you know, if you uh, if you hold your knife like this while you're carving a turkey, and of course, one of Dave's very good friends who he goes hunting with is a butcher. So, yeah. like, Dave has learned how to do this over the last ten years, and he's no slouch. And he's still got fucking people in his ear about it. Always good to watch. Always. Fun. <laughs> I'm getting drunk on the couch watching. So. <laughs> My dad goes at it with like an electric knife. Like he just, he doesn't fuck around. He's got. Yeah, my <laughs> like dad did that for years. With an electric knife. Yeah. And just. But we'll have like three turkeys and a ham. Like you don't have time to fuck around with like carving every one of them. Like, so yeah, he just buzzes through it. You want to hit up the last question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we somehow got into carving turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have done a couple of laps of this fucking list. Let me tell you. All right, Sunnydale has a dungeon below the city, similar to Waterdeep. Right. <laughs> what keeps the monsters in check in and style universe? Man, we should really read these questions ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, what keeps the monsters in check? Uh, honestly, um, it's going to be things like uh, magical barriers. Sunlight sensitivity keeps yeah. a lot of monsters in check from the Underdark, right? From mm-hmm. coming up into the world. Uh, it's something that we're actually talking about a little bit on the campaign builder right now is the drow are going to war. This war has to take place at night because they're drow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what keeps the monsters in check? Also, the fact that like from a monster's perspective, you live your happy hermit life, doing your own thing, getting your own food, having your own home and protecting your own territory. Every once in a while you breed and you make more of them and you kick them out to find their own layers. But like, there's an existential threat directly over your head, and that is humanity, right? And like the the intelligent races that every once in a while will come down here just to murder you and take your shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, from the monster's point of view, like they're the mon they come down here and invade, we're just doing our thing. It it's it's like an alien invasion, right? Uh-huh. Every once in a while they will send down a uh 
a single ship uh, worth uh-huh. of people to come down and just wreck house and see, hey, you know what? Have we exterminated enough of these of the, the creatures down here? And it's fucking dark when you stop and think about it like that. No yeah. wonder the monsters are so fucking angry. Yeah. I would say that the monsters don't need to be held in check. Demon lords need to be held in check. Evil armies need to be held in check. But beholders or the little like cave dwelling insects and shit, they don't want to go up where the heroes, the noise and the light and the chaos and the destruction comes from. Mm-hmm. I think they'd also like, I mean, they know like if it's just them, if it's just one, you know, like they know they're not going to make it. So they would have to like band together. And there's so much like battling and like killing each other off. Like there would have to be something to band them all together to come up as once, like all at once. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just think that they don't care enough. yeah also every monster ends up with a flaw of some sort beholders are powerful but they're paranoid and can't work together um kuatoa can create gods but they're insane and sometimes the gods are silly right like there's there's a built-in story reason why this isn't a problem yet the only ones that i can't find like even the devils and demons are fighting each other and that's what keeps the balance in the cosmos together Mm-hmm. it's you got to start looking for the slotty and hags and and shit to find the real scary the nagpa and and like these are the real issues that are out there mind flayers that's an issue right mm-hmm. i'm not so much worried about trolls and and giants there's not enough of them and they're not the if the more evil they get the dumber they get right so it i'm not concerned yes this is a crisis for a village it's not a crisis for the kingdom we'll just send out enough people to fucking slay them this is why we have adventurers like hey you mercenaries go out and do this we'll pay you Mm. right and so there are some existential threats but they tend to be like i say the slotty or the neogi or mind flayers or Shit that's coming from the far realms, but on mass, or out from the cosmos, but on mass. If the Yugoloths ever organized, like the material plane's fucked, right? And yeah. that there's that. I think con- unionization is the thing that's stopping them. They don't have a union. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly what it is. They need that's holding them at bay. Is that they don't have a union, <laughs> or they need one charismatic leader to bring them all together uh-huh. to, to go in one direction. And so all of our monsters that do that, that are going to invade, are the mob monsters, right? That's going to be your gnolls and your orcs and your goblins and stuff. But even them, they're, they they operate spurned on by a god or a demon lord in the case of the gnolls. Like, kobolds aren't going to war. Not unless a dragon tells them to. And even then, you're not getting tens of thousands of kobolds. You're getting 80, right? Yeah. Like 300 maybe. But you... Enough to to walk through with a with a battle axe. So yeah. um yeah, I don't feel the need to keep the monsters in check as long as the armies never rise. Mm-hmm. Slod, the army will rise quickly. Knolls, the army will rise quickly. Yeah. Uh mind flayers, the army will rise quickly. So the moment they can convert the, the races into more monsters, that's an issue. But yeah. other than that, nah. I mean, yeah. Drow and Durgar and even orcs, they they enslave goblins they enslave that's a problem they are an issue for a kingdom but they can be defeated on a battlefield and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the end of of everyone's lives so i don't know that's that's why any of them that are smart enough 
to be able to like have that thought of I could do this also know I could be killed by this is like is it even worth it have you noticed that every super highly intelligent creature in Dungeons and Dragons is a hermit whether it's the mad mage on Undermountain or dragons that are like hey these are my layers over here fuck off Uh or like Asmodeus who nobody has seen for eons but we can still feel his presence all the high level devils are are like they they don't want the material plane to come fuck with them right everyone's like hey we're smart enough to know that the elves and the humans and the goliaths and the everybody they're a fucking problem for us (laughs) right we want them we want the souls we want to get them we want whatever but the afterlife will bring them to us anyway we can focus on our own shit so Mm -hmm. any final thoughts before we wrap up on on buffy and angel i just love these shows so much I think, like, I've binged a lot of shows. I have a lot of fandoms. Um, If you look around my house, you will see I have a Doctor Who thing right there. There is a Ghostbusters thing right there. Like, I have so many different fandoms. Yeah. But this is the one I will just watch. This is the most memorable most impactful i think fandom of my like i've not rewatched doctor who eight times you know yeah. i've not like i've watched firefly a few times but i will start it and then not go back to it uh you know i'll get distracted or whatever i will stay up till four in the morning watching buffy even though i know and i will be like okay one more episode one more episode and they're like <laughs> oh but the next one's so good too i have to watch that <laughs> like <laughs> Like, it is hard for me to walk away from. I could walk away from any other. It's hard. Like, I can't just stop. I feel that. I feel that in my soul. Like, yeah, I I get you. Buffy. uh, So Buffy's your number one fandom. Yeah. The Buffy universe probably sits. I definitely sits in my top five. Probably sits in my top three um, fandoms. That's why I was so excited to talk about it. Because it hasn't been relevant in my life for the last decade, almost decade and a half now. Um, and it's pretty dated. Some of it is very nineties. The fact that Mm -hmm. they don't wander around with cell phones is a big indicator, right? (laughs) So, um, but it is definitely something that is very close and it's near and dear to my heart. Uh Um, and I cannot watch just one. You said that you jump in for one episode here or there. Even if I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this episode in season three or like, I'm going to watch the episode where Faith does this thing. Uh-huh. No matter where I started, watching I'm more. watching. I, I'm <laughs> watching to the end of Angel, right? Like no matter where I start. So yeah, yeah. And I think, like we've kind of mentioned it a couple of times, it was so ahead of its time on so many issues. Like even just the Willow. I think I might be gay. Like this yeah. is the first. It was one of the first, it was tough. It's so interesting how much it parallels Star Trek Deep Space Nine with uh-huh. some of the boundaries that were broken because yeah. they were the first two episodes that I think had a lesbian kiss in it on regular network television. Yeah, like I think I think Willow being gay was probably my first introduction into that. Yeah. Um, and it was just the way, and even just... You know, like we said, with Jonathan in the gun tower and Warren with his anger and Tara just being shot for no reason and just like. And Joyce dying from something that was is out of your control. Like there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Like it was a fun supernatural monsters of the week, but there was so much more 
deepness to it and things that they were going through that are relatable um it wasn't just vampires i said at the at the beginning the show grows up with you in a lot of ways to the point where like buffy has to find a job to be able to to pay bills and stuff and like Man, fuck, have I felt that? I've never flipped a burger in my life, but it has been close a couple of times where I'm like, I need to step outside of my field and update my resume to just be like, I am willing to work an overnight bit shift, you know, at a, at a drive-thru. I'm literally window. going through that right now. Like, I just yeah. went through that where, like, my entire life changed and I have to figure out how to be on my own and support myself and find a new job and what am I good at? Cause I've only ever done one thing for 20 years. Yeah. Um, what am I good at? How am I paying these bills? Like yeah, <laughs> on it, my it, own. It's like whole, I am literally living that timeline right now. <laughs> it it's a whole fucking crazy mess. And the fact that like I am a 40 year old man and I am still I can still turn to Buffy and Angel and get shit out of it after multiple rewatches. Mm-hmm. Right. And not just be entertained. Like there's some yeah. shows you can go back and just watch, but to like feel comforted by or to learn yeah. a lesson from or to like I I will still watch stuff and be like, oh, okay. I I see it from a new perspective now. I get it. I very much watch Buffy from the Giles perspective at this point. Yeah. And I think at this point in my life, like I said earlier, the last time I watched it, I identified more with Joyce. And I think even more so right now being a newly single mom, like that is me at the, like Joyce is me at the beginning of Buffy. I have a teenager in high school. I am a newly single mom. I am trying to figure life out. Um, and it, it just changes with you the older you get. Like when you're younger, you identify with maybe Buffy or Don or Willow or, you know, and, and as you grow, you're, you move into the Wesley, the Giles, the Joyce. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I guess I just go, I want to finish this episode off by saying, perhaps don't date a robot. <laughs> I will try not to. How okay. do I check? How do I check? <laughs> look, look, look for the light switch between the shoulder blades. That's, okay. Okay. Yeah. Definitely inspect their house for plugs. <laughs> I have nothing appropriate to say, so we're going to wrap this episode up. It's only going to go real rated R really quickly. So <laughs> so uh, this has been another episode uh, of the It's a Mimic podcast. Thanks so much for listening. You can send us your mailbag questions uh, on the subreddit, r slash It's a Mimic, or directly to us through our website at www.itsamimic.com. Uh, or through either Instagram or uh, Facebook. You can DM us directly or or make posts and tag us in them. We tend to do this every handful of months, and uh, and we love doing it. If you've got a show you'd love us to talk about, and if we can find two people to argue or celebrate, then please send us a message, and we would be happy to do more shows like this. These ones are so much fun, and they're not they're like D&D adjacent, but it's, it makes us very happy. These are easy yeah. to do, so... But also, like, as D&D, we all take from our favorite pop culture oh, into absolutely. our D&D games. Like, we all do. So it's it ties in so well at times, too, you know? It, abs- it absolutely does. As a matter of fact, every time that I find myself burning out on D&D, I have to swap to a new kind of media. Maybe I'm stuck in Breaking Bad or Dexter or something, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not getting D&D out of this. I need to go do... 
X-Files, Gravity Falls, something with a monster of the week, but an overarching story line mm-hmm. as well, right? Which is my bread and butter at this point. Let's, yeah. That's where I want to be. you have a die i assume you do i have dice all over the place all over my desk (laughs) so which one which one do we want to use the one with the dragon in it the one that has spikes on it probably spikes right oh shit there you go (laughs) i it's a very pointy dice holy shit yes it is i uh i got i complained like a year ago no it was like mid-pandemic maybe or just after the pandemic anyway mm-hmm. i complained about not having a brown dye and then tyler had brown dice and he dropped them off at my house yeah um i was uh in a recording when he dropped them off and Mieka like grabbed them from the front door and uh like the two of them like snuck them into the my house and then like put mm-hmm. it on my computer when i was looking and like this whole great big <laughs> thing so i've been using the brown dye and it is by far the most consistent dye i have ever had yeah. but i'm afraid to take it away from from the online recordings cuz i know if if i put it on a D&D table mm-hmm. it's just going to roll ones like every other fucking <laughs> dye that i have so it'll taint it buffy 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 okay yeah. so let me let me do the damn intro.